Welcome in to the DNVR Avalanche Podcast. We got Eric, we got Megan, we got Rudo coming to you live. Our first off day pod in what feels like a long time. <laughs> Lots of Avalanche hockey going on, but we figured on an off day it would be a good time to talk a little bit around the league, a little bit what's going on in the NHL outside of the Avalanche bubbles. Because let's face it, who want to talk? Who wants to talk about a three game losing streak? Nobody, right? That's not a thing we care about. No. They are two overtime losses, to be fair. It's not that bad. But certainly the starting point I want to jump off from here, abs are a whole lot better than these two teams. Who's worse? The Chicago Blackhawks or the San Jose Sharks? Oh, Megan, go. You get it. <laughs> I, obviously, worse is subjective. Of course. And the reason it feels like Chicago is because San Jose didn't make a lot of moves in the offseason to become not. better. They did not. And Chicago, obviously, drafting Bedard and making additions to their depth and their forward group on the whole suggests that there was a little bit more effort. And obviously, that has just... Never made a lot of sense on paper. It feels like they weren't fully... Neither team was fully committed, but mm-hmm. San Jose at least was honest about that. And <laughs> I, I don't think that Chicago was. And I think now the troubles of that are catching up to both teams, of course, but Chicago in particular. And it's worrisome for both teams with young players on the rise that need a little bit more support around them sure. to succeed. And I think that's why we're seeing the results that we have. You know, the Connor Bedards of the world need decent talent around them to elevate their play and get them baptized into the National League. And I think that's just the struggles. It's in every area, right? It's not just the forward group. On D, there's a lot of question marks. With Chicago, I think Korczynski is a wonderful young player. Similar reasons, though. That is such a tough position to throw into the gauntlet too soon. And I think it's why it's such a position you want to develop very delicately. And I worry about that a little bit with Chicago, more so maybe than San Jose, because I'm not really sure what San Jose is doing right now. <laughs> I agree with you on San Jose. We'll get into that in a little bit. I want to start with Chicago, though. With Bedard, look, he's the first overall pick. He's too good. You kind of just have to do it with that guy. You have to throw him into the NHL and get what you can out of him. It felt like Chicago tried a little bit. They go out and get a Taylor Hall. That Taylor Hall gets hurt. Uh, they go out and, and get some other players for Depth options really more than to play with Connor Bedard. Obviously, the whole Corey Perry thing is its own debacle that I don't, we don't really need to talk about today. We kind of mentioned it the other day. Um, Donato and Dickinson. Yeah, right. But then what are you doing with Kevin Korchinski? Lucas Reichel was a scratch the other day for them. San Jose just feels completely lost. Chicago feels like maybe there was a plan and now it's failing. I don't really know how to how to frame it. Well, I mean, I was reading something about Kane saying that because I think somebody asked him. Sure. Did you think about going back to Chicago? I don't know if you guys read that. Didn't. And the you know he said he thought that it would have gone maybe a little further that he would have had a chance to maybe. And again, I don't think I misread it. <laughs> he said that they went a different direction and sure. they went with veterans. Right? Yep. Obviously, we just said it. Plus, Nikki. Nikki Foligno. It's a great one. Obviously, the legs are not there anymore. But <laughs> No, but if you want to surround your, your young superstar with a solid human being, this kid's outstanding. But, sorry, I'm older. This 
Nikki Flamingo is outstanding. Can't I gotta stop saying. Does he kid. make up for Corey Perry? But that's what I'm saying. Yeah, <laughs> again, I'm not bagging on Corey Perry. It just didn't work out, right? Taylor Hall got hurt. They got hurt. Yep. Sound like Kane was saying that he would have liked to maybe, you know, be wanted a little more, and me might have ended up there actually sure. because that's the difference. Connor Bedard is a, it's attractive. I'm sure he's it a is. cornerstone yeah. for it. He's a he's, yeah. he's a pillar. I, I don't think in San Jose they have that. I mean, again, we'll get back to San Jose, right? But that's the Hurdle big difference. Hurdle be the closest thing, and that's... Man, yeah. No, no but, but that's to Hurdle, what I mean. But, but again, he's older. And this, this Connor's 18 years old. He's going to be outstanding for years. And and it's a tough league, and we talk about it all the time. It's not a very nice league when it comes down to learning on the fly. It's tough. Um, and when you don't have the pieces around you to help you right with the veteran leadership then it's kind of showing right now and you can see the frustration and so I, again i read that today too that and again forget about plus minus but Connor bedard's only been a plus player i think one game out of the 20 or something i mean again when you're on a bad team that's what happens yep. but that's my point is it's a tough league to learn and he is going to learn and you learn the hard way and same thing with Korshinsky on D. I mean, it's a terrible position to learn on the fly as a defenseman. It's tough. I bet. Uh, and with again, when you're missing all the other elements, so I think I see a little bit what you know Chicago's doing um, because of the one big word, which is Connor Bedard. I wanted to add to that because Caleb Jones talked about this coming from that organization. He talked about pretty candidly how they threw a rebuild at them unexpectedly. <laughs> and it, it was a tone that was not, that wasn't good for him. I would classify it as his development too. Obviously he's more along in his development arc but as still. a defenseman, but he's trying to get those NHL minutes and is starting to get them at the end of his time in Chicago. And you can imagine he's not, him and Kane are not the only players <laughs> saying that. Yeah. So that's a sentiment that should probably be looked at a little bit more closely in terms of the players' expectations for where Chicago was headed. Well, I, and I'll go back no, to Chicago in a second, too. Like, I've asked them myself now for a couple of years, and I'm judging because I'm not in the room, so I don't know the answer. <laughs> so it looks like I'm judging. But I felt that they kind of hit the reset button a few years back and then you got to remember Kirby Doc, Hagel. Yep. Um, I, I'm missing a few guys too. And it's like, wow, like what is going on? Because those were the young guys. That yep. was their reset button. And next thing you know, they were all gone. And that's why Taze and Kim were like, what is going on here? Like, what do you mean we're resetting this? Like, <laughs> you're trading away 21 year old guys that yeah. scored 30 or whatever it was. You know, it's kind of weird. And that's where they lost me a little bit, Chicago. Um, obviously, they end up with Bedard. It, it's interesting, Kinda, you know. Yeah, Bedard worked out for them, but I yeah. do think you kind of see the lifespan of an NHL team there, right? Obviously, yeah. in the early 2010s, Chicago was borderline dynasty. Some people consider them a dynasty. Yeah. Then you get into this phase where they end up spending all of their assets to try to stay relevant, try to stay competitive, until eventually there's just nothing left. And I, I see the player side of it. I see you guys talking about the player side of it, but at the same time. If I'm looking at San Jose and I'm looking at Chicago, I think Chicago's the team that's going to be better faster. Yes. Because they committed to the rebuild. Then you have San Jose, which obviously they've been terrible this year. They've been a little better the last 10 games compared to they, what they lost 11 in a row start the season. Um, Ooh, that's a tough but, but where is San Jose going? I have no idea what's next for that nope. organization. I'll take the lead on this one. Um, 
here's what I'll say. First of all, like Couture, you know, your leader's not hasn't been there. It makes a difference. You know, we're sure. talking about Bedard, like surrounding with the veterans and um obviously they've hit the reset button. I mean, that is a <laughs> that is a the wow is, reset. I don't you know think they mean? have yet. They still gotta well, move some of those guys. That, out. Well, yeah, but I'm saying like if you look at their roster at the start of the year, you're like, whoa, that's not a very There were no secrets about how good they were gonna be. We'll, yeah, we'll leave it that way. But yeah. that's my point. And then but I'll tell you one thing. Mike Greer is a very smart guy. That I'll tell you about. Um, smart player back then, smart person. Uh, comes from a background where the brothers, the GM, right in the NFL. The dad was a coach in the NFL. He's got a lot of resources. He uses his resources. He's done a good job. David Quinn, you know, some like him, some don't like him. I do believe he does well with the younger generation. He does, being a college coach and... Uh, you know, all the recruiting process back then with the parents and all that kind of stuff. I do believe they got the right guy there. It didn't work in New York. Probably not the right place for him to be. Um, I do believe that it is hard to look at because that's what I'm saying. Not in the room and you're like, where is this going? Like, why is this? And I think a lot will tell you about the San Jose Sharks in my book is Mackenzie Blackwood coming up here. What are they going to do with him? If they sign him... Again, you're always looking for a goalie, and he's not that old. But this guy's a good goalie. He's six foot five, like <laughs> you, like absolute, like Greek god. Like he's just a you know physical specimen. Yeah. Um, good goaltender right now. Lots of teams are probably going. To, I mean, you don't think the Edmonton Oilers are calling? <laughs> you would think they are. Yeah. Right. I mean, and I'm not saying the Oilers are dumb. I'm saying like. If you look at rosters, which in management, that's what you do every day. You're looking at rosters and what's going on. You would think San Jose is the first guy you're calling about. At this point, Edmonton might be calling college teams for goals. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean, right? So it's like, are they going to re-sign? I mean, I'm San Jose. I re-sign him. I do because this is a guy I have stability in net now, and he's not that old. I mean, I don't know what he is. What is he, 27, maybe, Blackwood? Give and take, you know? Couldn't tell look. you. I'm going to go give and take 26. Close enough, yeah. 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 He's not in his 30s. He's not 20. Um, I just go with it, you know what I mean? Like in a sense that I keep him and I build from the back end out, you know what I mean? And that's, you know, now you got Celebrini coming up, you know, if that's the number one consensus <laughs> so far, you know what I mean? So you're getting a... A two-way player that's very good, and I don't think you're getting a Connor Bedard than in him right now. I mean, I think he's a little bit of level inferior to to a Bedard, but there's a little might bit of, be more than a little bit. Well, you know what I mean. <laughs> I, 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 that's what I'm trying to say. He's not a generational talent like sure. Connor Bedard, uh, but you're getting a good player. Um, and then all of a sudden you're building, you're building, you're building. So. But it's hard to follow, I agree, because it's kind of a ham sandwich. You know what I mean? Like, you're, not, you're like, do I put mustard, mayo, lettuce? What do you want? Like, they're just you know not I mean? there yet, right? Mm-hmm. Chicago, I, I think, has bottomed out, essentially. Yeah. And and they're obviously still very bad this year, like we said. You can make an argument they're worse than, than San Jose right now. But you can see where they're going next. I don't... I San Jose still is tied to guys like... I don't know how they get out of some of these contracts that they're stuck with or how they make it work with a Tomas Hurdle. Hurdle's an awesome player. He's got seven years left on that deal. He'll be mid-30s by the time they turn it around. I, it's a hard question to answer. I just don't know where San Jose goes next beyond we need K 
kids. <laughs> we all need kids. <laughs> and that's what's interesting, too, because the, the cap flexibility just isn't really there. They're linked yeah. to some old contracts yeah. and Burns and Carlson. Yes. And I'm more encouraged by some of the Ford depth they have coming up the ranks, but they just don't really have anything coming as relief at D. Yeah. And that's where Chicago with a Korchinski, and I, I don't know how to evaluate Seth Jones, but like that's a player that I'm not, you can sort of build around a Seth Jones to some extent. I just don't think San Jose has that. But Couture, he'll eventually be an option for them. Hurdle is there. I don't know what they're doing with Thomas Bortolo. Yeah. William Eklund's on the rise. Like there's some forward options to get excited for in San Jose. Obviously there are in Chicago too. <laughs> but that's, I think the difference between these teams is there's just a little bit more in Chicago I could see them building around right now. Sure. Whereas in San Jose, kind of see the vision with the forward group. It's the D that I just don't know about. And then the goaltending, I'm excited about Blackwood and Magnus Krona. I'm sorry, I just had to say. I had to get it in there. I had to get it in there. Right. So I, I don't know what if they know what they have in Krona either. If that is a position where they feel like they could temporarily, like for assets in return for a Blackwood, maybe rely on Krona a little sure. bit or see what they have in him first. I yeah. don't know. I'm getting excited for him. But <laughs> they're, San Jose's in a position to play around with some of this, which is why I'm confused with their utilization of Bordalo. Unless yep. it is for his <laughs> well, sake. <laughs> no, but I that's a good that's a good point. But I'll say like having lived it too, like if if I had it my way, everybody would go spend time in the American League. I, I'm just being honest. Hell yeah, I, I, I'm being honest with that. It, it is a different world now. It's easier back then. Remember, Detroit used to do it all the time. Nashville. Hey, the way to Nashville was through Milwaukee. Everybody said that. Everyone knew that. And also, I'm talking about all star guys like. Weber, guys that had unbelievable careers in the NHL. Everybody spent time in the American League. Now with a cap, it's a little different because you want those young guys because they are lowered salary guys and you know all that kind of stuff. But it's important to learn how to play hockey, and and you don't know how to play until you go. I, can, I said that league is, it's a dangerous league, and you need to go learn how to play in it where it doesn't bite you. And I got a board low. I think it's good. And I, by the way, I know I, I know his dad real well. And I, you know. Montrealers, <laughs> but he, a guy like that, even though he's on the U.S. you know team, he's, yeah. he's you know he's very skilled player. guy, just like his dad was. He's way more skilled than his dad was, and uh, but I think it's important to go play in the American League and, and to and to and to fight and to dig through and to get yourself back up. Uh, let me ask you this then, uh, because like you said, it used to be you know you're making NHL yeah. debuts, 23, 24, 25 years old. Mm-hmm. Now. Most of the time, if you make it past 21, 22, you're probably not going to be an everyday NHL. There are exceptions, of course. But let me ask you this. Should the AHL start allowing 18, 19-year-olds to play in that league? Obviously, they do for Europe, but it's the Canadian Major Junior yep. CBA that kind of messes with that. Should they, uh, should they nix that? Yeah, just because of the point you just made. You know what I mean? Because now it's so much younger. But I do believe that and again, the CHL would be mad if they're listening to me right now because I get it too. They're trying to you know fill their buildings and mm-hmm. provide a nice environment for their players to to thrive and to get ready for the next step. But but I would yes, I would okay. love that because it makes a big difference. You know what I mean? It makes uh, sometimes you go back there and again, it's good that there's nothing wrong with dominating, nothing wrong with being a leader, nothing wrong with winning, and nothing wrong with leading your way. Your, your teammates to a championship. But 
sometimes it is, I don't want to say waste of time, but sometimes you would be learning more if you were in the American League. And, you know, American League is not, uh, how can I say that, glorious at times. You know what I mean? It's it's tough and it's three games and three nights and it's some bus rides and some, yep. you know, and then there's no shine on your stuff because, you, you know, you're not in the NHL and you're, you're in the minors and... You got to love it. You got to love it. And then you got to fight through and... And you're playing against guys sometimes that are um, older a bit and they haven't had their shot or they didn't, sorry, I, I'm not that guy. For me, <laughs> you create your shot. But they weren't ready for their shot. You sure. know what I mean? And then all of a sudden they're, they've been in the minors and they're good players, but you know they'll never touch the National Hockey League again. But don't worry, when they see a young guy like that, well, that's their prey. They like that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to make it easy for them. Yeah. And it's not easy. And some guys, they leave the... The glorious of the world championships, or or, or or the world junior championships, and I've seen it. I mean, it was like that back then. It still is. And then you're Team USA or Team Canada, and then all of a sudden you're on a Tuesday night in, I don't know, Ithaca, New York, and there's 150 people, and you're like, you know, where's my world juniors like T-shirt? You know what I mean? Like, you know what's going on? And they're like. <laughs> Really? You're like, this is what it's come down to? And it's pretty depressing at times. I'm not nothing against it. Like, I was just using a, a name like a, on a Tuesday night, not easy to put people in the stands in. But it's it's just American League is good for the soul. It's good for it's good for everything. And again, like I said, back then, a lot more uh, guys would spend longer time in the American League where now they do, but it's a short period. You know, I just wish it was longer. That's just me. Looking at John Luke Foodie's development path coming in as young as he yep. did, I don't know that his case is the case for every player, but I think it benefited him in a big way for his development arc to go to the American League as young as he did, because I do think mentally, you know, he matured quickly adjusting to that league and had a lot of older veteran mentors to help him and usher him to the place that he needed to get to and develop those pro habits in a way that I feel like we look at his timeline and we're not really panicking that Foodie hasn't stuck in the NHL no. this point into his pro year path because, yep. one, obviously the injury this year has really affected yeah. his trajectory. Yeah. But starting as early as he did, I think it bought him a little bit of time, but it was really useful experience at the pro level because yep. the things that he needed to incorporate his in his game, I think he only could do at the pro level. It's the pro habits and it's the third, fourth line habits. And I think that that is learned by playing among men. And I think that's why it was helpful, helpful for Foodie in particular. But I'm going to go back to that point because, again, I'm... Oh, how can I say that? I think the American League, for those reasons that you just talked about, and it's very important to have the good leaders too. And Brad Hunt, for example. Exactly. Here, it doesn't get any better than Huntsy. Yes. You know what I mean? And, and I go back to me for a second, and I always remember, you know what I mean? And, and I think the American League allows you to figure out what's your identity as a pro. Way easier to do in the American League and to figure out than in the National Hockey League. As we know, Betsy has no time. Betsy, uh, Bednar. Right, uh, not not Connor Bedard, but <laughs> right. They have too many no, beds. In this house, no it's one yeah. Betsy. And he always says that you don't learn on the fly in the NHL. You know what I mean? Like when you're trying to be a championship, yeah, you're just team. trying to survive out there. <laughs> you don't. Well, the American League allows you. Like I left college, and Mark Crawford's my coach, right? Former yeah. abs, and he said to me, like, "What are you?" And I'm like, "Well, you know, I'm a skilled guy. You know, power play. You know, like whatever." And I think I've said it before on the show, but and then. He stopped me right away and he's like, 
if I if you go on the power play, I'm getting fired. <laughs> I got a wife and three, whatever the time, two kids, and he's like, I'm never doing that. That's not what you are. You are a shit bag. And you know what I mean? And that's you figure it out because if you think you're gonna be a skilled player in the National Hockey League, you'll never play. And that conversation, it's frank, it's honest. Yep. And it takes a while to figure it out. You know, and you don't go home that day, the next day, like, oh, I'm going to change my identity. It takes a little bit of time. And once you figure it out, then you become, for me, a prospect that's useful for a team. And that's where I think some of those guys are, like Foodie and, you know, company. And just as a the exact opposite comparison to Foodie, you look at Jeremy Hansel this year. Not saying that the junior league is somewhere where he can't get better. He can work on his game there. He can improve on things. But he doesn't have the same opportunity to impress the people that are watching him, that are looking to sign him to his contract, to take that next step in the Avalanche organization. Because the reality of him still being in juniors is that he's supposed to dominate every night down there. Whereas with Foodie, you have seen him clearly take steps at the AHL level through his career so far. So... I just think it's an interesting comparison. It's an interesting way to look at even I even look at top guys. I like I said, first overall picks, they just go to the NHL. It's what happens. It's what's always gonna happen for the most part. But you take a look at a Kale McCarr who spends an extra year in college. You take a look at some of these players that have done a good job of figuring out what the development path should be for themselves. Even Rantanen yeah. spends a little time in the American League. Yep, absolutely. Huge. It is huge. Like it is. I used to give it to Denmark all the time. We used to call him Silver Spoon. You know what I mean? Like because <laughs> he didn't. He went right to the NHL, and most of us didn't. You yep. know what I mean? But it's. Yep. But I don't know. I think there's a bond between American Hockey League guys and you sure. know what I mean because it's usually you're younger, um, not married, no kids, or whatever. Usually, usually, yep. you know. So the, you, you spend more time together. There's a lot of card games in the back of those <laughs> bus rides, and you know it's fun. It's. It's just different, you know what I mean? And it's it's less of a business, yeah. Um, and the, the friendships are formed that that are real strong and, and usually last for a lifetime. So it's again, I got nothing but good things to say about the American League. So, fun fact: you can bet on the American League with Bet Three Six Five. Can you? Yeah, you, they don't have quite all the fancy props, yeah. and all <laughs> that, but you can bet on the games. So you can all get right. in on it. Uh, so if you're Watching someone play in Ithaca, maybe uh, throw, <laughs> throw a bet down. Uh, you can also bet on the Colorado Eagles, too, the the local team, which, you know, I hope Sam Malinsky stays with the abs. Yeah. But I would expect But I to hope be back it means there. that Kale McCarr is healthy. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, is what it is on that front. Either way, whatever you're betting on, NHL, AHL, NFL, NBA, why do they all start with N? <laughs> so they're national leagues. I get it. Even though, like, most of them also have Canadian teams, so are they, they're, like, international. Ed, get bet on it with Bet365, Wait, all right? wait. Is the NFL the only one without a Canadian team or yeah. a team without a team outside of the U.S.? Yep. Don't. <laughs> NFL's full of Canadian players, anyway. It's Canada's it, national three? pastime, isn't it? <laughs> it's the three in it. The, the Canadian Football League is basically like the AHL yeah. to the NFL. So <laughs> bigger end zones. Isn't like football more. Canada's like national sport or something like that? Oh, I read it. Somewhere. I think it's lacrosse. Am lacrosse, I lacrosse? Is, yeah, lacrosse. Uh, you can bet on lacrosse too with Bet Three Six Five. Get over there, download the app today. Use the DNBR Three Six Five code when you sign up to get a bunch of amazing boosts, including a thirty percent parlay boost on your NHL bets. So 
Jump on it. Use Bet365 today. Uh, of course, you must be 21 or older, physically located in Colorado. And if you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER today. And then, with the money you win, take it on over to Game Time and get yourself some tickets to go watch the games you're betting on. You can get $20 off your first purchase at Game Time when you use code DNBR when you sign up. And you can get the best prices around when it comes to tickets. You can get them the last day, kind of wait for those last-minute deals. You can use the section selector, which saves 18% on average. You can do all sorts of other things to save money with Game Time. And the best part is if you find tickets cheaper somewhere else, Game Time will reimburse you 110% of the ticket price to make sure you're always getting the best deals at Game Time. So use that DNVR code. Don't go download Game Time today. Even if it's not sporting events, you can go to the theater or concerts or, or whatever you want to go to through Game Time. Second period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast. We've talked about the worst. I want to talk about the best now. You have four division leaders in the NHL. Uh, Vegas, the Avalanche, New York Rangers, and the Boston Bruins. Which of these? I want, I want a rankings. Most legit to least legit of the division leaders in the NHL. We got what? We say it again. You got Abs, Rangers, Abs, Rangers, Vegas, Vegas and Boston. All right. I'll go first. I'll go if you guys need to think about it. Or go. Yeah. Okay. All right. My legitness factor: Vegas one, Abs two, Rangers three. Boston four. Why? I let me be clear. I think they're all very good teams. I'm not saying any of these don't deserve to be at the top of their divisions. Uh, Vegas, obviously, a defending Stanley Cup champs. They continue to be very good. Both them and Boston have gotten similarly very good goaltending coming through, but uh, Vegas just has everything set up. I think a little bit better. A little bit more of living up to expectations in Vegas, whereas a Boston, I believe, is overperforming a little bit. Avs, we've talked about plenty. We all know where they stand. I think we all feel pretty comfortable with them, certainly when they're fully healthy, certainly when they're playing well, even if there is a bit of inconsistency there. The Rangers are the team I really don't know what to make of. Are they really this good? They might be. Obviously, you love their goaltending when Shesterkin is on. Their forward core and defense have played super well so far this year. How sustainable is it for them? I don't know. If you guys want to jump on the Rangers, go for it. If you want to do your ranking lists, I'm here either I'll way. give it to Megan. I'll give it to Megan. I feel like, so you had Vegas, Colorado, Rangers, Boston? Correct. Mine would probably follow the exact same order with one and two being, I don't know. I think I'd put the Avs at one. I, I do believe Vegas is very well constructed and all of these teams are rightfully in the conversation mm -hmm. and where they're at in the standings. Um, I think that the Avs, when fully healthy, I hate that we still use that as a qualifier even this season. You have to, yeah. Have the edge in its top stars, its top guys. Because I think both sure. teams have good depth. I think Vegas has the better depth. Um they're both pretty solid defensively mm -hmm. and Vegas has received good goaltending. This is an area for the Avs that I think we haven't seen the best of yet. I even reflect on Kemper's first yep. season with the Avs. And I think that was something that aged throughout the season even better. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I, I think we'll see that with Georgiev. I look at his last year and 
think there's more consistency that he can strike um, for the Avs and being more of an impact player in games too. And then just going back to the top stars who we've criticized for not being as impactful lately, I still look at the 55-goal season of Miko Rantanen among all of the injuries of last year, and I think that it's a lineup that has more to give from the top. There's still some concern with maybe some of the new additions, but I also feel like that can be a strength of the Avs moving forward yep. um, deep in a playoff run. I could see that third line in particular being a strength against a well-constructed Vegas team. And then looking at the Rangers, every arena, I like the the Rangers. Like, I think they've got some intriguing forward options. They've got, obviously, Adam Fox on D is an <laughs> exciting player, some great goaltending from Shesterkin. Um, So I think it's well-constructed. It's just I've seen how they moved all the chips to the table last year, yep. and they had all the big-name players that they you could think of to, to take them across the finish line, and they lacked the... I don't know if I want to go this far, but I feel like they lacked that mentality that you look at in the Avs room, there are players who've made it across the finish line. Mm -hmm. And that's what I feel like New York lacked and continues to lack. Like they have a lot of the talent in Panarin and Kreider, but I just think that it's the mental side um, of being able to go across the finish line that's lacking there. And with Boston, excellent goaltending, good D, interesting forward group i think that they just didn't adequately have a response for losing bergeron and it's still good and they're still obviously great on paper that's an excellent probably the best goaltending tandem in the nhl in boston but the forward group is just it's not bad it's just like not as competitive maybe with the avs top six just by comparison you can only live on 940 goaltending for so long even if they're the best tandem in the world that's true (laughs) it's impressive for now it is the goalie hugs are impressive too yeah they get bigger like <laughs> they get bigger you know so no i like it um here's what i'm gonna say i'm gonna go abs one and yeah. because no, no i've been doubt about it no huh? doubt about it all right um been saying it all year long so i gotta stick with it that they're coming out of the west so vegas is in the west they are um i think both teams have known how to win now last two years you're you're talking about the last two cup chance this is not a big statement for me but once you know how to win makes you even more dangerous so so those two teams for me are one and two uh everybody healthy vegas included you know what i mean yeah i'll take the abs right now on a four out of seven series and and that's that's just me uh last time they met what it was obviously vegas that won uh, in six in six um when it was two nothing, correct? Yeah, after yeah. up two nothing. I get, you learn to win when you lose, right? We all know that, and that goes for Vegas as well. Um, that goes for anybody. Uh, I, I will go one Avs, two Vegas, um, three. I'll go Rangers. I think. Uh, with <laughs> I do. I hate goaltenders. I'll say it. Yeah, I hate them. <laughs> what does it say? Why do you have? That's a direct quote. <laughs> I hate goaltenders. Oh God, Rudo. brutal. <laughs> My son's a goalie. You hate my son? Wow. <laughs> Can you, you milk your cat, Rudo? It's <laughs> the only position in life that prevents you from reaching your goals. All right? True. <laughs> Either way. Interesting. Cops. <laughs> Robert Cops. <laughs> you might have chosen bad goals then. Yeah, yeah. All right. But I'll go back. To... My goals are never very good. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. I'll go back. I- I'm I'm going back to... And then the Rangers... Um, again, I'm going to throw Av's stuff in there. Chris Drury. Chris Drury's a winner. Um, 
Rob Blake used to say, like, that was his roommate. He, he sleeps angry. You know, <laughs> he, like, he's a, a little ball of hate. You know, that's what I mean? relatable. And and he just kind of went in there, and he's a GM now. Yep. Um, he he's cleaning things up, things that he doesn't like, whether it's in the bathroom, in the hallway, and the staff, like everywhere. Wants winners, and I think he's made it very known that they're learning how to win now. Um, I, I think they are legit. Um, I think bringing in Jonathan Quick was a weird thing at the first. But forget about it the... It certainly p- worked. It worked. No, no, yeah, it's working on the ice, but I think more off the ice. Sure. It's I a could big, see that. It's a yeah. big thing. He's it a wor- winner. Sure. He's a winner, and, and he's a warrior. I mean, this is a guy that, again, went in there in L.A. bag then. There was a silver spoon in front of him. <laughs> no offense, right? Um, what's his name? I mean, former Av. Uh, um, You're going to have to be more specific. My Lord. Jonathan Bernier. Okay. No no offense to Jonathan. Good guy, I'm saying. But he was a first rounder, right? Yep. Top 10 pick. Very yep. shiny. <laughs> Quick, he was a third round pick, whatever he was. And mm-hmm. he's a no-name coming in there and stole the job from. Yep. And they ended up trading Jonathan Bernier. Yep. And Quickie was there for 10 years and two cups. And he's a cult hero in LA. <laughs> so he goes to Vegas last year. He helped those guys out. He helped the hills of the world. He helped with the problems that the guys getting injured. And and that's why when you say locker room, you know, that's a guy with the Rangers. He knows how to win. It's fitting the jury what he's trying to do. So I would say Rangers three. And again, four, I'm going to go Boston. I said last year they wouldn't make the playoffs. They got the freaking record of the most points in the history of the league and I was there for four of the first 10 games last year spent a lot of time in Boston and I'm like they have no one playing and they're winning every game I'm like what the hell they do a masterful job coaching uh, again, yeah. I'm going back to the abs and, and Joe Sacco. More of Jim Montgomery. I just, Jim yeah. Montgomery. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, and, and Joe does a good job, Joe Sacco. I, I don't care what people say. Like, might not be a head coach, but he does a great job. He's a great hockey mind. And then when you're adding all that, like, with the goaltending, so it's hard to bet against them. You know what I mean? Like so, but I mean, are they gonna go all the way? I would. That's why I would say no, and that's why I have them as four. You know what I mean? So, I think they love playing for Monty. <laughs> I do. Yeah, I think they rally. Job, yeah. They rally around him. Boston to me feels the least sustainable. I would put it that way. Uh, the Rangers. I actually tend to agree with Megan more on this one. I I wonder about if that team has the right mindset to go all the way there. And I, look, I'm sure Chris Drury does in the in the front office. I'm sure Jonathan Quick knows what it takes to win. But yeah. I look at the, the top players mm-hmm. on that team. Artemi Panarin wanted to go to New York because he likes the lifestyle. Not that he isn't an incredible player. Yeah. But you saw you see it in the Avalanche. You saw it in Nathan McKinnon in the Cup here. It takes a specific type of extreme focus where you have to think about nothing else. You want to win the cup. That's the only thought you think when you wake up. That's the only thought you think when you go to bed. That's what it takes to win a championship, and I just don't know if the Rangers have that. I think it was interesting because someone specifically mentioned Kane and his three cups, Yep. and it made me think how every Nathan McKinnon needs an Andrew Cogliano. True. They get over that hump in the playoffs because of the rallying cry of Cogliano, and so it's the Cogliano types that I think is missing in the New York lineup, not the Nathan McKinnons. Like, Fair. yes, the skill is there in the Panarin and the Kane. Definitely. But, not, well, not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but 
that wasn't enough. You need more than that. Yeah. You need the Andrew Caglianos of the world. Now, Quick is an interesting example that I didn't factor into that, but I, I still think on the whole, you know, it's obviously bigger than just single-handedly Cogliano too. Of course. It, it takes a whole team to win a, a chip, for sure. I bring this up because the team I left off this list, I feel the exact same way about. Dallas Stars. This is now a running theme for this core of the Dallas Stars. You're looking at Sagan and Ben, who have been there for over a decade. Right. Have never been able to get it over the finish line. You look at some of their new guys, and, you you know, maybe Jason Robertson can get them there. Maybe Jake Ottinger can can help get them there. Yeah. But you add Joe Pavelski to that list. You start to have a long list of guys who, as the way Eric would put it, they're not winners. Well... Dallas for me, God, I'm gonna sound rude here. Like I don't like them. Um, <laughs> no, no, and it's That's nothing. Mean. Jim Neal's a great hockey man, great hockey mind. I just, you know, there's, there's no, and and there's no reason why I don't like them. I just, I just, I don't know. Like since the bubble, and you know, like I, which I thought was so gimmicky, and yeah, right. I mean, the whole world was upside down, so I'm not blaming anyone, but it was just so weird. And and I'm like, I didn't like them then. And they beat the abs, right? They, you know, and I'm like, I don't, I still don't like them. I, I'm not, not dislike, but not like, I don't like that. They don't scare me. Uh, I don't know how to explain it. It's just what I just overlooked them. And maybe, hopefully, I'm wrong. You know what I mean? Uh, hopefully, I'm right. Hopefully, I'm yeah. not wrong, right? You know, watch my words here. Depends on who you're um, rooting for. That's right. You know, <laughs> no, but again, as you know, obviously, being a Western Conference opponent of the abs and stuff like, I just, they just, don't scare me. They don't, you know. I go. I, I, the one thing I like about them is Odger, and I and I liked him uh, in the minors when he was there for a bit. I liked him at BU. I liked him. I'm a fan of his. You know yeah. what I mean. Um, other than that, I respect Joe Pavelski for what he's done. Um, obviously, Robertson's a good player, but I just don't know why. Uh, I just I'm not scared by them, mm-hmm. and and I'm not saying they're not good. I'm saying that. Sure, bring him on. You know, if you got to play him in a playoff series, bring him on. You know, I'm not scared about it. It's an interesting point from Kay here in the chat, who does rightfully say the same things were said about the Abs until they won absolutely their cup uh, two years ago. I think the difference for me is when you look at the timing of the Abs Cup run, there were starting to be conversations about the Abs not being able to get out of the second round at that point, mm-hmm. but it hadn't boiled over to this level that Dallas has been at for a little while now. Obviously, the all-time team for this is the Leafs, who just seem incapable of taking that step to get over the hump. And this is where I wonder about Dallas, is at what point do you just not have the right mix of guys and have to do a bit of a reset? Maybe not go full San Jose, but do a bit of a reset. I mean, they're inevitably looking at it a little bit because I don't know how many more years Pavelski has left. Can't be that many, right? (laughs) But I do think that he's a really important piece in their success. I I don't know how to feel. Like, Ben and Sagan have the years, but I don't know if they have the influence. Like, they even lose Ben in the playoffs because of disciplinary things, which Avs have experienced in a good player in Kadri. Like, I won't pretend that this isn't a thing that they can't (laughs) overcome ever. But I think that... The part that makes Dallas dangerous to me and a little bit scary in my eyes is the experience of last year's playoffs for players like Robertson and Ottinger. I do think that probably hardened them as young players that are are newly 
learning this and experiencing that for the first time. And I think that can be really formative and it could change what a playoff they're they've now have a little bit of experience under their belt in that type of hockey specifically that I think they would meet it differently a second time around. And I do have belief in Robertson and Hens and Ottinger. There's, there's pieces I very begrudgingly like about Dallas. Now, the overarching concerns are still there um, on the whole, though. It takes a whole team to have the right mindset. Yep. So that still remains. I think that there are players there, though, that probably learned some really valuable lessons last year that I would be a little bit fearful of going into the, a playoff series. By no means year. am I saying they'd be an easy out. No, no, sure. I don't think any, you're right. No one would say that. Uh, I'm going back to your point because I loved it. Well, not your point, but Kay's point, right? Yeah. Um, which was about until you do it, right? Yep, yep. I'm just trying to read it, and you guys know I can't read. So Up at the top. Until they did yeah. it, yeah. Yeah. So Kay's right because you don't know. Is it fair for us to judge uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs? You know what I mean? It is fair because they've never done it. That course never done it. And it hasn't been one year. It's been multiple years. And in our business, unfortunately... Or fortunately, you get judged on who wins the last game. That's it. Yep. Other than that, it has to be a failure. It has to be because your goal is to win the ultimate last game of the season. And if that's not your goal, that doesn't fuel you, then you shouldn't work in this business. You'll never make it. Of course, you can sit back afterwards and you are a bad team, a 48-point season (laughs) team, the Avalanche. And then the next season, you have, you know, whatever it was, a turnaround. It was like, okay, there's a silver lining. Okay, we're building towards it. But ultimately, it's you want to win the whole thing. So it's I agree. Until you do it, you don't know what you have. Yeah. Um, for me, the ultimate warrior, the ultimate winner is Patrick Waugh as a player. You got one game to take, he's my guy. Yeah. I'm 100%. <laughs> you, he's my guy. because. But if you look at his stats in junior hockey, this guy was horrific. <laughs> I think he won six games one year, and then his last year in juniors, he lost 55 games. And you're talking about a guy that at the end of the year, they went in in the American League when he was 19 because his season was over because they didn't make the playoffs. Trust me, <laughs> Granby Bisons were not in the playoffs. That was <laughs> We were way at the bottom. He goes there, and two guys are sick, the two goalies. Yeah. And he's eating hot dogs and you know, whatever, his French fries, and that's why his nickname, you know, the... But the fries go into the the little cardboard thing, you know what I mean? That's his for nickname. poutine, whatever. Yeah, whatever. That's his nickname, Caso. You know, like it's the the cardboard. That's his nickname because he's always eating French fries. You know, next thing you know, they're like, "Hey, you get in the net." Then he Wait, goes in there. Hold on, hold on. His nickname in the English is Fry Box. Yeah, Fry Box. Yeah, it is. <laughs> How did we not know this? Yeah. Well, everyone knows that in Montreal. Caso, C A S S E A U, which is Fry Box. I, I never looked at it that way, but it's his nickname. Amazing. If you say Costa in Montreal, everyone knows all oh, Patrick Wall. Yeah. So, but I'm wild. telling you, he's eating his French fries under the fry box or whatever. <laughs> and then like, you get in the net and he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And he goes, wins the game. And the next night, they're like, to the two guys that were injured, which was not very legal, they were sick. They're like, yeah, you both are sick still. Oh. <laughs> they ended up being sick the whole playoffs. <laughs> they won the call the cup. <laughs> sure, but Canadians won the call the cup and looked that up. You I don't know it. until you go and do it. And then yeah. all of a sudden, he's like, oh, my God. They start the season as a 20-year-old Montreal. They keep him as the third goalie. Playoffs start. Larry <laughs> Robinson goes to see the coach, and he's like, you played 25 games or 30 games that year. 
this guy knows how to win. He's our guy. Yeah. They go win the Stanley Cup. So you don't know until, and that's why I say that point, as individuals, as a team, until you do it. Alex Ovechkin, for years people were saying, You'll never win with Alex Ovechkin. All of a sudden, you win, and why do you think he went on a bender like he did? He's a lot of pressure, and you're like, "Yeah, I did it." You know what I mean? But it took what, fifteen years? Or the majority it was, of his career. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's crazy. So until you do it, Toronto, like, I mean, but when do you when do you break that up? Right? How long do you wait? You this know what off I mean? season, this coming off season, I think is when it gets broken right. It's just up, hard. It, it, those are tough jobs. That's why there's yeah. only thirty two seats. You know, in in the world. And those are tough seats to be in. Talk about GMs. And there's a lot of pressure. And which button do you press? And so I think it's a valid point there. And you were saying that, and Kay brought that up. But it's until you do it, you're assuming they can do it, you know, Mm because you're sticking with them. Yep. You know, same thing with McKinnon and those guys. And it's like, are we going to win with those guys or Landis Cog? You know, all of a sudden you win, then you're like, oh, yeah, they're winners. You know what I mean? Which that's how we're judged. I look at Vegas and Aiden Hill. And the unlikely winner in this goaltender that they take from San Jose. Yeah. Such an unlikely path for him. And he's continued to be good for them. And I think that speaks to the mindset in Vegas on the whole, too. Mm -hmm. And that's maybe when we're talking about some of these teams. There are players who are individually winners, but it's a team-wide mindset that is important. And I think that's why Vegas was able to accomplish what they did and why teams like Dallas might be struggling still to get there. Yep. And again, you go back to Gretzky, right? He says it all the time. It's in everything that he talks about, books, whatever. They learn in 84 when they lost to the Islanders, right? Four straight. And then they were walking by their locker room and they're thinking that the guys are going to be having a big party and it's nuts. And he was like, guys, we're just there with their ice bags. And they're like, oh, oh my God. Like, mm. it's hard to win. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then you realize like, okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, there's we have another notch. We have another step, yep. right? You're not there yet until you're there. Yep. Uh, on that note, speaking of big parties... We're having a takeover on yeah. the 9th of December. And get in with us. You can come down to Ball Arena. You can enjoy an Avs game with us. It includes drinking at the bar before the game. You get free beers on the bus to the game. You get to enjoy the game with the DNVR gang. And then you get to come back from the game on the bus, enjoying yourself and have some more drinks. It's a great time. Uh, if you've experienced one with us before, you would know. We have fun with it. Uh, but you can join us on the 9th. Tickets are discounted now. You can get in for this game with us and all the bus rides for just 80 bucks. So jump on it. Join us December 9th. Abs have never lost when we've done a takeover. So there you go. Well, you want to see it without a shirt on? Never whoa, whoa, whoa. have I have never been to an Abs game. What? what? I was with you guys for a whole year. What? Never been to an Abs game. Watched Abs for the last five, six years. Never been there. Really learned about hockey with Rudo and AJ. <laughs> Um, so I'm, I'm thinking of going answer. to this one and just getting hammered and not remembering my name. the cup because you're at your wedding. I mean, no, oh no, I got to see the cup, win them the cup, but I missed game five, I think. Is that was. what it was? Yeah. Slacker. Oh yeah, my wife. <laughs> <laughs> Either way, come join us for the takeover. It's going to be a fun one. December 9th is the first one. You also get a $25 Snarfs gift card for coming with us, so... Lot. There's no reason not to go at that point. Your your stuff is well and paid for. Uh, also brought to you by Bacchus and Shanker. Go call two 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 today if you've ever tried to leave the Ball Arena parking lot. Uh, <laughs> you might need Bacchus and Shanker because it's a madhouse. 
Uh, go to coloradolaw.net or call the two number today. If you've been in any situation where you've been injured and you're not at fault, car accident, something happened at work, the snow on the ground, someone didn't shovel their their uh, sidewalks, any of those things are options. They will give you a free consultation, and if you have a case, they will make you pay nothing up front. It costs you nothing until you win your case. They don't get paid until you get paid, and they will get you paid. They've won over a billion dollars for their clients as long as they've been doing it here in Colorado. Get with Bacchus and Shanker. Bacchus and Shanker wins. And then hit up some uh, some Breck Brew. We're going to be drinking lots of Breck Brew for the takeover. Eight different kinds here on tap. Even if you're not local, you can still get your Breck Brew and drink along, though, at your local liquor store. Use the Breck Beer Locator online at breckbrew.com. Third period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast. Be a little bit more brief with this one, but I did want to talk about a couple of the teams in the middle. More specifically, Detroit. They go out. They get Patrick Kane. Are they a playoff team? Let's start there. Do you guys think the Detroit Red Wings are a playoff team this year? I'll go first. I, I think they're going to get in. Yeah, okay. I, which I didn't think they would. Sure. Um, do I think that they're contenders? No, I I think they're goaltending subpar. You know what I mean? Again, today, 96 goaltending avalanche, I would say average. In December, they make a trade. It's <laughs> so, a little better. So, like Today, I'm just saying, you know, do I do I like Debrinket? Do I like Larkin? I mean, those guys are playing that they're having career. I mean, Larkin's having a career year, correct? I mean, like you know, you're, you, that's your engine. That's your your best guy. Um, they've added some guys, uh, you know, over the last couple of years, and obviously they're a tougher out than they were a couple of years ago. You know, guys sure. like David Perron and you know guys like that. So, do I think their goaltending is going to hold? Like, eh, I'm not a big Huso. I think he's just he's a backup in my mind. Hopefully. I, I don't think he's certainly not a contending starter. That's what put I mean. it that way. And then uh, is it Reimer? You know, like you know, he's, he's been a backup his whole career. That's my point. You know, so I I would say, but I like that. I like Kane's going to give them a boost. Uh, again, you're talking about being a winner, Steve. I got a lot of respect for Steve Eiserman. Yeah. I do as a player, as a manager. He's worked hard as a player. He's worked hard as a manager. Uh, has made mistakes. Has made good moves. Understands what it is. So obviously he has a pulse on his team, and he felt that, you know, getting Kane is going to be a boost for his team, and 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 obviously Kane's been around too. So for him to say, yeah, I'm going to join that team, it's it's a testament to where they are right now, you know, compared to a couple years ago. So yeah, kudos on them. I think they're I think they get in. Is know. it is it a testament, or is it, are they just a half decent team that had 10 million in cap space? Well, I mean that's part of it, right? You know, everything part of it. So. Yeah, you're right. Megan, where are you at with the with the Kane in the Detroit situation? <laughs> you know, I just haven't loved their offseason moves because it, it feels like they weren't very intentional. It, it feels like it they were picking best sure. available players and not seeking positional needs. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking at the construction, and it, it makes some sense. So it's not totally wrong, but it still doesn't feel like there's an identity for Detroit that I can get behind. There's some individual pieces that make so much sense, like Debrinkat is playing very well and Larkin is playing well. Comfort has been a wonderful addition for them. Yeah, and we'll, we'll I, see. <laughs> I trust what Comfort is to an extent, but I didn't trust him as a 2C. Like I trusted him as a utility player that would slide up sure. between both, 2C, sure. 3C, PK, power play. You can mm-hmm. use him so many different ways, and I still trust that. 
but I don't know if he can carry the position of 2C in the way that they need. When he has his stretch of four points in 15 games, every Avs fan will be going, yep, that's, we know that guy. That's familiar, right. <laughs> the goaltending is suspect. <laughs> the D is just fine. I love Mo Sider. I believe yeah. in him. Um, he's still young. I don't believe in Chirot. <laughs> I don't. And so that's why, like, it's good. They're moving in the right direction. I just feel like they need to get a little bit more intentional with the identity behind it. And there's some yep. good pieces to work with. I'm just not a total believer in Detroit. I think they've been a little bit silly. I love I love that. I think identity is the perfect word for what they're lacking a little bit. Uh, we had a question from Philip here that I actually thought was a little bit interesting. Uh, if you scroll up a little bit, asking about Tatar with yes. the Avalanche uh, and what the plan is. So here's the thing: is he playing with top six players? Yes. Is he really playing in the top <laughs> six though? No. He's not getting that level of time on ice. He played ten minutes the other night. And the answer is, I don't know what you do with Tatar right now. I would love to see him get some more opportunity. You would love to see him figure it out here in Colorado. But we're now 24 games into the season. If this goes on for another 10 games, at what point do the Avs have to start looking elsewhere? It feels like a little bit of a mismatch stylistically, and I'm not ready to put a stamp on that and declare that officially, but... I still see an NHL player in Tomas Tatar and a good one. It's just what they need him to be in a second line role. I feel like he's struggling to acclimate there. Like we yep. talk about how he goes games without registering a shot on net yep. and he was brought in because of his shot. And so I'm not sure what it is that we're just not seeing him really lean into his own identity as a player with the Avs that is causing him to be sheltered. He's not earned trust and I think he's been too neutral as a player to earn any more trust than he has because he needs to impact the game obviously in a positive way but he also you know in an effort to be responsible can't be invisible and I think that's what has costed him ice time through this point and it could ultimately be a little bit of a mismatch I I don't know the remedy for it it kind of is in Tomas Tatar's hands but I'd like to see him with the limited ice time that he has, maybe feel a little bit of a chip on his shoulders. He is still a 20-goal scorer coming onto this team. That's why he was brought to Colorado, and it is a team that has winning aspirations. And so I, I hope that can motivate him to try and be a little bit more impactful, even if the ice time is limited, because that's his path to getting more. Well, not the first guy, not the last guy that, go somewhere and it doesn't work out. Um, and and it, Thomas Tatar went from Detroit to Vegas, and it was a disaster in Vegas. They mm -hmm. gave up a first, a second. And a third. And a third um, for him. And, and it got to the point where it, just, it, was, it was not a fit. It was the misfits at the time. And he came in and didn't know where to put him, a little bit like right now. You mm -hmm. know, it's just not a fit anywhere he's kind of going in. Um Goes to Montreal after it played really solid and then goes to Jersey last year, 50 points, right? Last couple of seasons of Jersey. He's a good player. He's a good person. Um, it just hasn't been a fit. For, for whatever reason, um, do I think they keep going for another 20 games? No, I, I say it's coming to an end. That's just what One I think. One way or another. Yeah, yeah. Because I, and, I, and I like him. 
Um, I think I he's a too. good teammate. I think he's a good player. Uh, he, he can give you a lot in a lineup. Uh, but he's been in that situation before. Uh, and then, he, like I said, he went to Montreal and he was a great fit. You know what I mean? And then he just it hasn't worked out. And now I think his body language is he's a happy-go-lucky, smiley guy. And right now he looks a little tense. He yeah. looks like yeah. you see after he misses an empty net, like his face is like, oh, you got to be kidding me. Like, Because it is tough. There's a lot of pressure to score in the National Hockey League. And when you're not scoring, then, you know, don't think he doesn't know. Josh Manson got his goal last night. Mm-hmm. He's the only guy basically now. Besides, of of you the know, regulars. Of the regulars. The you know? yeah. uh, I mean, Dermy's got one. I mean, like I'm just saying, you know. Um, <laughs> so it, it's tough. It's tough. You see that. You want to contribute. You were brought in. You took a gamble on yourself as well. We don't know what the situation was. We don't know if he wasn't given a $3 million contract or whatever it was. And he's like, you know, I'm going to bet on myself. Hasn't worked out. So I don't think it's going to be much longer I think that something needs to be done there, you know, and 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 again, he's not the first guy, he's not the last guy, and I'll throw in another old name, like Brian Ralston back then on the Ray Borg trade. Mm-hmm. Good NHL player, comes here, couldn't play here. It yeah. looked like a minor leaguer. Like, he was awful. And Ryan Ra- Raleigh's a great player. He couldn't play. Then he goes to Boston. Goes right back it was, to being... It was awesome. Yeah. Bring Brian Ralston played another 10 years after that. So sometimes it's not your fault. It's not Betsy's fault. It's not... It's just not a fit, and it's just not working out for whatever the reasons are. I, I will say in a little bit of his defense, you talked about lack of identity in Dallas. Colorado as a team does not lack identity. Colorado's second line this year yes. lacks some identity. It's a great point, Rudo. Just speed, right? On a good night... Rijo is the identity, but there's some pretty big inconsistency there. Jonathan Druin, you're up, you're down. Thomas Tatar, you're up, you're down. You're seeing some of these guys be second liners, but they're playing 12 minutes a night. It's just a little all over the place right now. That's where I'm sympathetic for Tatar and Druin because I feel like Duran's confidence starts to show when he was given more time. Yep. He was given power play opportunity. He was given second line opportunity and it started he started to thrive there mm-hmm. and with tatar and being limited I, I think that's a little bit what has held both of those players back through this point and it's not to blame bednar purely the circumstances no. have required him to mix things up a little bit and it's just a little bit unfortunate how it has shaken out yeah and again these are not major concerns for me in any way no. for colorado it, it Ride Joe's a guy who's been up and down. Still got nine goals on the season, 10 points, on his way to a 40-point year. You'd like more, but it's also not horrible. We'll see how it all plays out. But you are starting to get into that territory of, hey, if it goes another 10 games, you probably have some trade deadline targets and things like that in mind. Leave it at that. Yep. Ah, we have gone a little bit long here. Anything else you guys want to add to the show? No. Let's go. We're going to get out of here. Uh, Before we go, make sure you hit up Kind Love. You can go to their locations or go online to kindlove.com and use the DNVR code to get 25% off, whether it be flour, gummies, extracts, whatever it is you might need. Kind Love has you covered. Uh, Go check them out. Their turbo joints are amazing. All sorts of other stuff. Full ordering menu on kindlove.com. 25% 25% off with the DNVR code. We appreciate y'all. It's game day again tomorrow. The uh, the schedule picks up now. It's every other day for the rest of time until Christmas, basically. So uh, we appreciate y'all. 
Stick with us here. Like and subscribe to the channel if you like us. That helps us out a ton. Join us for the takeover if you're local. We will talk to you tomorrow.